Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Listen closely as I read from J.B. Phillips, who writes in the preface to the young church in action that one cannot spend several months in close study of this book, Acts, without being profoundly stirred, and to be honest, disturbed. The reader is stirred, he says, because he is seeing Christianity, the real thing, in action for the first time in human history. Here we are seeing the church in its first youth, valiant and unspoiled a body of ordinary men and women joined in unconquerable fellowship never seen before on earth. But the reader is also disturbed, for surely, he adds, this is the church as it was meant to be. It was vigorous and flexible. And for these are the days before it ever became fat and short of breath through prosperity or muscle-bound by over-organization. These men did not make acts of faith. They believed. They did not say their prayers. They prayed. They did not hold conferences on psychosomatic medicine. They simply healed the sick. By modern standards, they may have been naive, and, but perhaps because of their very simplicity, perhaps because of their readiness simply to believe, to obey, to give, to suffer, and if necessary, to die, the Spirit of God found that he could work in them and through them, and thus they changed the world and turned the world upside down. Isn't that an awesome quote? I think it summarizes pretty succinctly the book of Acts. What we have here, ladies and gentlemen, in the book of Acts is the story of very simple, ordinary, uneducated, untrained, unlearned men and women who have turned the world upside down. Might I add? A side note, turn the world right side up. Just common, ordinary people. This is the God we serve. This is the God that we serve who can take ordinary people just like you and just like me and use our lives in such powerful, awesome ways that you actually impact and affect the world that you live in. The book of Acts. Taking notes. Let me give you a little background. Uh, Maybe I'll give you a lot of background. The book of Acts, if you're taking notes, was written by Dr. Luke. Doc Luke, the physician. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul calls Luke the beloved physician. The book starts after the resurrection of Jesus, just prior to his ascending to heaven, around the year A.D. 33, And it ends somewhere around A.D. 60. So the book of Acts covers a 30-year, approximately a 30-year period. 
The book of Acts, now listen very closely. The book of Acts is the hinge or the bridge between the four gospels and the epistles. The book of Acts is the hinge or the bridge between the four gospels and the epistles. If you study the epistles, Paul's writings, if you study them without the knowledge or the input from the book of Acts, you will have an incomplete story. Without the book of Acts, those books, the epistles, would not make much sense. In other words, if you did not have the book of Acts, you would read through the Gospels, you get to the Gospel of John, and you would see the ministry of Jesus ending in the Gospel of John. And then you would flip the page and start reading about a guy named Paul who is writing to people who love Jesus in Rome. So without the book of Acts, you would actually generate more questions than you actually answer. Because you just start reading about this guy named Paul. Well, who is he? Or where did he come from? Or when did he get saved? Why is he writing to Rome? Why does he even care? You see, all of these questions would come up without the book of Acts. So without the book of Acts, your understanding of the epistles would be limited. Not only would your understanding of the epistles be limited, but the book of Acts is also, note this, a blueprint or a biblical pattern for the church. You see, from the book of Acts, we have a biblical pattern, a biblical model for the church. From the book of Acts, we learn how to evangelize. We learn how to disciple. We learn how to go about the ministry. We learn how to send out missionaries and how to be missionaries. We talk a lot about church movements here around Calvary Chapel and Martin Luther and the Reformation and the church movement and and how Martin Luther and the the Lutheran denomination began and and with Wesley and with Wesley came the Methodist denomination and with Calvin, of course, you know, came the Presbyterian denomination. We talk a lot about church movements, but listen at this. All other church movements, all church movements in history is founded in the establishment of the first church movement here in the book of Acts. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. All of them, they come out of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the first church movement. And, and, And in many respects, now listen close, is more important than them all. Because here in the book of Acts, what we see is this first church movement is without, watch this, the taint of human fingerprint. In other words, the church in the book of Acts, this is a pure church. Why? Because man is not involved here. Man has nothing to do with this. You see, as soon as we start getting our hands into it, we mess it up. Say amen, saints. You know that's right. We start getting, oh, we got to help this. Oh, this thing going too great. We need to help out and help God. And, you know, before you know it, church all messed up. Number of hypocrites come to church, people say. Well, well yeah, that's because you're here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but see, we start getting involved and we start putting our hand in, and our fingerprint starts to touch things and we start messing it up. See, the book of Acts wasn't like that. This book is without the taint of human fingerprint. This book, this, this, this early church, this first church movement has the fingerprint of God upon it, which makes it better than all other church movements. Now, in your Bibles, I want you to look at it again. In your Bibles, it says the, the Acts, the heading, it says what? The Acts of the Apostles. 
you know, my Bible, I have that actually written out and I wrote next to it. It really should read something like this. The acts of the Holy Spirit. Because over and over is the mention of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times in this 28 chapters. So you have an average of two times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in each chapter. The events that are recorded in the early church happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. The events of the early church happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe that the early church, now listen to me closely, I believe that the early church understood something that the modern church today has missed. The early church understood that they were powerless without the Holy Spirit. Don't misunderstand me. They did not think they had a little power. They didn't think they had some power. They didn't think they could do a little bit of stuff. They didn't even think they could help out. You just read the book in a very cursory way and you can see that the early church had a real, clear, definitive understanding that they were completely powerless without the Holy Spirit. They understood that they were powerless to witness. They understood that they were powerless to affect the world. They were powerless to live the Christian life. They were powerless to to, to be martyrs. They were powerless to change their homes and powerless to change their communities and powerless to change their cities and powerless to change the world. They understood. They had an incredible, awesome, heavy weight of dependency on the Holy Spirit that quite honestly is missing in the church today. It was A.W. Tozer who said if the Holy Spirit were to be withdrawn himself from the church today, 95% of what we do would go right on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit were to be withdrawn from the church in the book of Acts, 95% of what they were doing would have come to a screeching halt and everyone would have known the difference. That's so true. Why? Because they trusted in the Holy Spirit. One of the popes was sitting and counting the gold that had come in that day and As he was counting the gold, Thomas Aquinas walks in, and the Pope looks at Thomas. He says, oh, Thomas, he says, Thomas, we can no longer say silver and gold have we none. And Thomas Aquinas looked at the Pope and said, and neither can we say any longer, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You see, the Pope got the point. The church had become rich materially, but bankrupt spiritually. But the early church was rich spiritually and bankrupt materially. And yet, listen, they impacted and changed the entire world without fundraisers. What? Without fundraisers? Yeah, hello? Nobody had any funds. You can't raise funds if you ain't got none. You know what I'm saying? Say amen. Amen. They weren't raising funds. There was no money monitor in the church lobby. Well, I'm going to leave that alone, y'all. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. We're not going to go there. I mean, these guys turn the world upside down. Are you understanding what I'm saying? These are common, ordinary, blue-collar guys who live their lives so radically that they impacted the entire world. They had never been to seminary. They never been to Bible college. They never had any formal training. These guys were so in love with Jesus. They were so in love with the Lord, and they were so committed to what God had called them to do and what God has shown them to do that they impacted the entire world with the gospel. 
Hold your finger right here. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Go quickly. Acts chapter 4. Turn quickly. Let me hear those pages turning. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Look at this. This just blows me away. In Acts chapter 4, look at verse 13. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were ignorant. That's the Greek language, y'all. That's, that's, that's Greek for uneducated. These, they, they were uneducated and untrained men. And they marvel. And note this. Would you read it with me? And they realize that they have been with Jesus. Amen. There's, look, you can dice it, slice it, cut it, read it in the Greek, read it backward in the Greek. You can do whatever you want. Let me tell you, the key to the power, the key to being spirit-filled, the key to being powerful in the spirit is to spend time with Jesus. You see, this is what they noticed. See, we're talking about, we're not talking about church folks. We're not talking about church folks. folks didn't, church folks didn't notice they'd been with Jesus. It's the world who looked at them and said, man, those guys are uneducated. Those guys haven't been to our schools. They, 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 they've never studied. They, they don't understand the deep things that we understand. We've learned things for years. We've gone to school. It's been a lot of money. And wow, these guys are really making a difference. And the reason why they're making a difference is because they spent time with Jesus. I submit to you, if you spend time with Jesus... This is what makes you a powerful believer. Amen. This is what makes you spirit-filled, is the fact that you spend time with the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 17. Go there with me. Turn quickly in Acts chapter 17. You see, these are ordinary people God uses. That gives me hope. I thank God for that. Because I'm just a normal guy. Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I haven't been in seminary. I haven't been to Bible college. I didn't have time for that. I had to put the Cheerios on the table. You understand what I'm saying? Say amen. I had to, I, you know, I had to feed the kids. Little daddy, do we have any Cheerios? <laughs> no, kid, I'm in Bible college. <laughs> no, I didn't have time for that. I had to, you know, so, so God has taken an ordinary guy just like me and ordinary people just like you and says, you know what? If you spend time with me, I'll feed you everything you need to know. I'll give you everything you need to know and I'll use your life in ways that you will never believe. All because you spend time with me. And you, like them, look at Acts chapter 17, look at verse 6. In Acts 17, you're there. In verse 6, and when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world, what saints, upside down, have come here too. You see, these ignorant, that's right. Untrained, uneducated, unlearned men turn the world upside down with the preaching of the gospel without the help of church growth seminars, without the... Y'all will not believe how much stuff I get in the mail for how to grow your church. I'm like, you know what? I want to send them back a letter. I ain't trying to grow my church. I'm trying to send something to you. I'm like... Yeah, I might send some of these folks to you. I'm not trying to grow my church. We don't have to try to grow the church. The Holy Spirit will grow the church. He adds such as should be saved daily. Saints, please say amen. amen. We don't have to do that. 
So this church, this early church, without the help of church growth seminars, budgets and buses, programs and radios, without the help of television, cell phones, believe it or not, they did it without cell phones, <laughs> sound equipment, without private jets. Amen. I'm not going there. Y'all keep trying to force me. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'll preach on that next week. Without the help of the latest series, Without the help of the purpose-driven life? Oh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not hating on Pastor Rick. But I do understand something that the early church, the church grew without these books because they had purpose. The early church, their purpose was one and singular. Their purpose was to preach the gospel. Don't you remember in Matthew chapter 28, prior to me leaving for my trip to India, we talked about Jesus said to the disciples, he said, now go into all the world and teach and baptize and make disciples until I come. And lo, I'm with you always, Jesus said in Matthew 28. And then remember last week we talked about in Romans, pardon me, John chapter 20, when Jesus told the disciples, he said, come here, fellas. And he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Spirit. And then he told them to go tarry and wait after they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you understand that, 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 that God has given you the commission to go into all the world, when you understand that your purpose is to take the gospel to the world, and you are to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit because you have received the Spirit. Saints, might I submit to you, that's all the purpose you really need. See, Christians, that is our purpose. We need not buy another book on what it means to be purposeful. Listen, if, you, if you're reading Rick Warren and you love it, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but what I am saying is that don't miss your purpose. Your purpose is to preach the gospel. The early church's purpose was to preach the gospel. They preached the crucified, resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, they preached it so hard, most of them lost their lives. All of them, by the way, lost their lives preaching about the purpose of the gospel. Let's talk about purpose. Well, let's keep our purpose in line and our priorities in line. And our purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what will change the world. This is what will make a difference as they touch the world with the gospel. The early church, they had so little and so few, and yet they accomplished so much. The church today has so much and so many, and yet we accomplish so little. Isn't that interesting? Why? Well, I think because they understood something that we tend to forget. Zechariah 4, don't miss it. Wednesday night, we'll be in Zechariah 4. Zechariah 4 says what? Not by might, you know it. Not by might, nor by power. You know what? Say it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, they understood that it is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And isn't it interesting? With all that we have available to us, we still haven't reached the world with the gospel. Don't you know? I told you just a couple of weeks ago, I'm in India and I'm 4,800 feet above sea level, and I'm meeting people in various villages that have never, do you know there are people on the earth today that have never heard this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? There are people who have never heard it. I don't believe there's anybody in the United States that's never heard it. You know, people, I've never heard the gospel before. Not if you live in this country. If you live in this country, you have heard it. Now, you may not have been listening, but you heard it. 
We got radio and TV and DVDs and Bible teaching and churches and, and you name it. You heard the gospel. You'd open your ears. But there are people in many, many countries around the world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, saints, we are not depending on the Holy Spirit in the church today. We are not looking to the Holy Spirit. I think the church largely today has lost its power. They have lost its power. I don't think the church, and I know that there's a lot of talk about we're the powerful church. And I know that people like to talk about the powerful church because that's an exciting message. I mean, we're the powerful church. No power. We need power. Power in the name of Jesus. We all power. Got a sermon on power. People love to talk about power. You know, they love to talk about power, but the problem is we ain't got none. You see, let me tell you what a powerful church is. Let me tell you uh, what a powerful church is. A powerful church is a church that is lifting up and exalting the name of Jesus. You agree with that? Say amen. That's a powerful church. See, I think we really got it messed up. We believe and think that somehow a powerful church is a church that's exciting. We, we think that a powerful church is a church when you come in, you know, there's excitement going on, the music's going, and people are, you know, swinging from the ceiling and jumping over the chairs. And you remember the Blues Brothers, people were flipping in the front, you know, doing back off flips and stuff, you know, lady with the hat, and they're like, yeah, 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 and doing the cash back, yeah, you know, you know, we, we go, man, that's a powerful church, man, you get them, they, they powerful in there. And you know, there's dancing bears and things are going on, and there's, it's like, da, da, da. Da, da, you know, and, and, we, and you, you know, you the, the, the hype and the excitement and all of these things, and we equate these things to power. And we, we say, oh, that's powerful. And then we leave the church service and you walk out and you go, oh, man, were you in service? Oh, yes, it was awesome. Did you feel the spirit? Oh, my goodness, it was so, the spirit was high, which I don't know what that means. But, but I heard it. The spirit was high. Oh, it was, oh, goosebumps, oh. Oh, oh, this, woo, you know, and people are like glowing and stuff. And it's like, you know, we think this is the powerful church. Might I say to you that a powerful church is not a church that is exalting the Holy Spirit. We must understand something. Jesus said himself that the spirit has come to testify of him. In other words, you know it. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. So if Jesus is over there, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, fellas, everybody, look, worship Jesus. Go this way, this way. Jesus, go that way. Jesus, go worship Jesus. And we're like, oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit say, no, worship Jesus. Sing to Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again. Holy Spirit saying, Jesus is coming back for you, so worship him. The Holy Spirit's job in the world today, in the church today, is to point us to Jesus. Don't you remember in Revelation chapter 2, to the church at Ephesus, Jesus said, I know your works, I know your labor, you have patience, you don't put up with evil, you've become, you haven't become weary, but he said, but this I have against thee, that you have lost your first love. You see, your first love to who? The Holy Spirit? No, your first love to Him. 
So a church that is a powerful church is a church who is walking out the door and they say, oh my gosh, did you hear what the Lord said? To me? Did you hear that word? Did you hear when, when, when this word went forth and that word and Jesus is speaking to my heart? Do you see, this is a powerful church when people are walking out the door talking about the word, walking out the door lifting up the name of Jesus, walking out the door talking about the goodness of our Lord. That's a powerful church. Don't be deceived. Because all the feelings and the fluff and the hype, man, that's like cotton candy. You ever eat a piece of cotton candy? It's nasty. <laughs> it's all big. It's pretty. But as soon as you put it in your mouth, it's gone. It's like sugar. You see? Nothing will satisfy your life like walking with Jesus. Amen, saints? Amen. Nothing. It was Jesus himself who said in John 15, 26, but when the Holy Spirit comes, the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Well, verse 1. We're getting there. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're still breathing, say amen. amen. Look at verse 1. The former account... We're going to get there, y'all. The former account I have made, O Theophilus, underline that, of all that Jesus began to do, circle that, and to teach, circle that, until the day, in verse 2, in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by, underline this, many infallible proofs, being seen that word seen is a Greek word, optomai. We have the word optometry, ophthalmology. It literally means in the Greek language, to eyeball. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.